Man, Sunday was great, wasn't it? For y'all that weren't here, I'm sorry you missed out, but you can always go uh, listen to the message. Um, but we had Guy and Ilka Pei here. Um, they were wonderful. They were terrific. That was a word in season. There's something about a word in season, a word in timing, um, and that was such an encouraging word. Um, does anybody remember what the, our catchphrase was for camels are coming? So, so here's what I want to point out, though. Here we go. So the camels are coming, but what did he say first? What? What was the caveat? There was something there. Does anybody remember? Does anybody remember what the first part of that phrase was? So this is why I want to speak on it tonight. If you put God first, your camels are coming. So for you guys that weren't here, um, I uh, basically what Brother Gee uh, did, it spoke on, he, he likened the story of uh, of Isaac sending out it's Eliezer uh, to go to go find Rebecca, and right when Isaac's getting discouraged, he goes out and he meditates. He spends time with God. He puts God first in the time where he's most concerned. He's feeling anxious, and as he looks out into the horizon, there's camels coming, and so he kind of likened that to the promises that we receive. And it's super encouraging to believe in these promises, but there was, a, there was a caveat. There was something that we have to do. There's a requirement on our part, and it's super awesome to get excited about what God, what, what God wants to give us, but we should get also get just as excited about what we can give God. So that's what I want to focus on tonight. If y'all can just join in with me, I believe that I have a word from God. I believe that the Spirit has come upon me to preach the gospel, to teach the gospel, and that's what we're going to do tonight, all right? Let's pray. Yes, your camels are here. Your camels are coming um, with that little caveat, that little caveat, if you've been putting God first. And, and that was the thing that, that, was, that was the little check in my spirit was uh, is not, not, a, not a condemnation thing, but not by any means. But as I was listening to this, I was like, so how can I be putting God first? Um, I want to challenge myself. How can I be putting God first? Because maybe there's a reason I haven't been seeing the camels come and show up when I think they should have showed up. Or maybe maybe um, I have, I've been getting discouraged about some things, but God's waiting on me to step up in some areas. And I know we have a grace, graceful, merciful, faithful, loving God, but there's some expectations on our part. Um, there's verse after verse after verse. I'm not going to do all the references today, but a lot of scripture that say, if you are faithful to what faithful to what he asks, here's all these blessings. Here's all these things that are going to go well for you. And he never he never promises that if you go and go off the path, if you seek the world first, that all those promises are going to come unto you. Um, he actually says in Matthew six thirty three. Uh, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all of these things will be given to you also. So all these things, that's all the things that might take our focus before God. That's the ironic thing is, is we give these other things our focus. We, we let ourselves get anxious about finances, job opportunities, uh, our kids, how our kids are going to be raised, um, what schools they're going to go to, etc. I'm not calling anybody out directly. I'm just throwing stuff out there. I promise. Nobody, nobody feel embarrassed. Um, but when I say all these things, I'm saying 
those things can sometimes take our focus before. And notice when Brother Gee likened putting God first, he likened it to meditation. He likened it to focus. He likened it to attention. Every time we give something else attention more than God, we give it more of our focus than we give God. We're putting it first. So one thing that's really easy and trying to put God first, and it's funny because the world knows that we're supposed to, like, your favorite athlete, you go to their Instagram bio, and it says God first, right in the bio. You've probably seen this before, right? And that's the same guy that got in trouble for a domestic dispute last year. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Those are the guys that are on the news for doing all the wrong things, and then they still have in their bio, God first. And that's laughable, but then we look at ourselves and we start to reflect and we're like, ooh, wait a second. You allow the Holy Spirit to work on you a little bit and you're like, wait a second. I'm no better than he is. I've got some things to work on. I've got some things to work on. And again, I'm telling you all this in love because God is love and when you're putting God first, you're going towards love. Um, And that's our focus. That's what we're, we're pressing towards right now. Um, I think of it like I've, I've likened it to when you have you ever gone to like a carnival and you see that water turret and uh, they have a game and it's, it's you versus another person and there's like a target and you try to line up that turret as quick as you can on that target and there'll be like a little bell that slowly or slowly ascends and you're, you want your bell to ascend faster so that means you've had to make the most contact with the turret the whole time. If you get off a little bit, it'll drop, Right? That's kind of how our spirit works. We, we, we're, it says we press forward towards the mark, right? So we're pressing forward. We're focused on, on this thing. And, it, and really, this thing is just God. It's, we, we overcomplicate it. But we're pressing towards this one focus. And the minute we get off, we start to uh, descend, right? But if we can stay focused on, on the mark, we win. Um, so putting God first is really easy when my first point is he put us first. Um, I've got four main points. First one's he put us first. It's easy to put God first when we have the revelation that God put us first. And what do I mean by that? Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he literally put his child before uh, or under us. And if you, we'll get to this more, we'll elaborate on this some more, but he literally delighted in what he did. I mean, Cody, right now, if I were to tell you right now, give up your kid for any reason, for any reason, no, no reason, there's not a good enough reason I can give him. If I ask him to save the world, give up your son, he probably won't do it. And that's the thing. That's God put us first. And what I want to elaborate on is how much God loves you, God loves me, because when you realize how much you've received in God, how much God loves you, it's so easy to reciprocate. And that's all he's asking is for a little reciprocation. It says this is our reasonable service. Reasonable. I mean, that word just emphasizes that this should be simple. This should be easy, right? When I, when I sit down at a table at a sales call, I, I say, is this, does this seem reasonable to you? Because I lay everything out. And that's, that's such a smaller deal. I'm asking somebody if I can do their roof. We're talking about God saved us. He gave his child for us. He gave up everything for us. And all he's asking for is a little attention, right? So 
Um, God put us before Jesus in sacrificing him for us, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Um, can you go to John, uh, 1 John 4, 18 through 19 for me, please? All right. I don't hear any Bibles flipping, so I'm gonna go ahead and read. All right. So there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not, uh, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. We love because he first loved us. Um, I like that we don't, we don't have to be expecting any kind of divine punishment. We get to live life freely. This is one of the other awesome things that God has given us. And we love because he loved, right? Um, I like Pastor Mark. Uh, he, he says, uh, a mother can smile, can smile its, her child into smiling. So meaning there is something ingrained in a child, that little boy, as soon as Janet starts smiling at that little boy, he's gonna start, as soon as he can see properly and everything, he's gonna start mimicking it. And that's what we do with God. We just allow what he's doing to reflect on our own face and reflect on our own heart. So all this love that I'm talking about, I'm not just saying it to be gooey gooey and I'm not only preaching on love tonight, but I, I wanna drive it home here that what we have received from him, from him is so important. We love because he first loved. He, he's, uh, he, we give because he gave. Yeah. We put him first because he put us first. We only love because he first loved us. You cannot understand how to love yourself or, or others until you understand how much God loves you. I, I probably say this almost every time I have a sermon. You can't do the things that God wants you to do if you don't like yourself, if you don't love yourself. And I, well, I say that because um, you can't, you, you, if you don't understand how much God loves you, you can't act out of that love. You can't love others properly. Um, when I gave my vows to my wife, um, I don't know if anybody remembers that. Some of y'all were here, or some of y'all were there. Um, but what I promised her was that I would be, allow myself to receive God's love for myself so that I could give it to her properly. So what I mean by that is, as Janet loves her child, her child is gonna learn to love, and that child is gonna love other people right? So it's kind of simple. We receive that from God. Um, but let's go to Psalms 8, 3 through 6. So this is how we are perceived by the angels. Some people uh, believe that this little excerpt is actually from the perspective of an angel that was inspired when uh, the psalm was written. Um, but it says, when I see and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have established, what is man that you are mindful of him? I like that line. That's a song in itself. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of uh, earthborn man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than God. That, that means Elohim. When we use that word Elohim, that means it, it kind of sounds like below him, right? Elohim, just slightly below God. That is, the, that is the closest rank we can get to without actually being at God's level, right? So, Elohim, 
and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You made him uh, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Cool thing about this, this is pre-Jesus. It's actually cool to see how much of a revelation of God's love people had in the Old Testament. Um, it only emphasizes these things when we have Jesus, um, but the Old Testament believer actually had such a good grip on who God was and how much God loved them even before the sacrifice was made. Isn't that kind of cool? Um, the more I read on, on these Old Testament um, teachings, I'm like, man, this is, this is encouraging because we have so much more than what they have. Um, but... I say that all to, to say that this is how we are perceived. Um, I've heard John Bevere say that, like, like I just said, that it's, this is how the angels perceive us. So when the angels look at us, they're almost, it's almost like they're like, why, why do you care so much about these guys? Like, what, what is it about them? Why, why do you love them so much? You know, um, it, it, just, it just doesn't make sense from their, from their perspective. So, um, we have been given dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So there's a wealth of revelation and understanding how we are perceived by God and his angels. So we've kind of established the groundwork here. He put us first. We have been placed in such a high place. We, we don't deserve to be where we're at, right? It doesn't even make sense. And, and this, I mean, David's trying to understand why, why, why do you love me so much? Why do you love us so much, Right? And yet he put us first. So putting God first also looks like placing his people before you. Um, placing people, his people before yourself. So let's see. We cannot put God first and not love his people. Putting God first looks like putting others before us. This is 1 John 4, 20 through 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates works against, now I want to stop right here, works against. So you might not think you hate, but it also says works against. Um, if you go to Matthew 12, 30, it says, those who are not for me are against me, right? And so uh, God is very protective of his people. So when he says, you're against my people, you're also, or you're not for my people, you're also against my people, right? Um, Pastor Kim has said it, and, and uh, she, she said the words, uh, not, not choosing to honor is also dishonor, right? So not making the active choice to love people, you're in this same boat, right? You're still working against his people. So I wanna, I wanna stop and pause on that. Um, his Christian brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Uh, we show the manifestation of God by loving people in the physical. Um, and this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also unselfishly love his brother and seek the best, serve him. Uh, seek the best for him or serve him. That's uh, once again, 1 John 4, 20 through 21. So I would hearken, or I would venture to say, uh, you haven't truly received revelation on God's love or, need, or you need to refresh on this revelation if you mistreat his people. Or if you do anything then le less than look out for the best for his people. We have to, that's why I, I 
hone in so much on the love of God for us because we have to understand the love of God for us because it activates something on the inside of us. All we have to do is allow him to give and then we can give what he, is, he has given us, right? We love because he first loved. He taught us to love. He loved us into loving, right? Amen. So we, again, he put us first, right? He put you first. Sacrifice to promote. This is the third, third point. So we're gonna go to John 3, 16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sacrificed for us, right? We have this established. I think this is pretty simple at this point. So Isaiah 53, 10 through 11. Yet the Lord was willing, delighted in, and took pleasure to crush him, causing him to suffer. Now, uh, pause. This is Isaiah prophesying the sacrifice of Jesus, Right? This is Isaiah prophesying what was gonna happen with Jesus. This is saying, yet the Lord was willing, delighted in, and took pleasure to crush him, causing him to suffer. If he would give himself as a guilt offering, an atonement for sin, he shall see his spiritual offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the, uh, the will, good pleasure of the Lord, shall succeed and prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he shall see it and be satisfied." By his knowledge of what he has accomplished, by the righteous one, my servant, shall justify the many, making them righteous. Now, um, understand that justification is the greatest promotion we will ever receive. That Elohim, that, that being allowed to go into all the promises of God, that, that all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, he's gonna protect you. Yes, he's gonna provide for you. Yes, he's gonna do all these things for you. But the greatest promise we've ever received in our entire lives and ever will receive is that we can go boldly into the throne room. We can run into the secret place of the most high at any given time and we can rest, right? Our youth can be renewed. We can live in that right? So it's important to understand that's the greatest promotion we have ever received is being in right standing with him, living righteously with him, and God delighted in having his son beat to death so that we could do that. Do you realize the, the weight of that? I know we've heard the gospel over and over again, but I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't get excited about the gospel, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We got to wake up. You know what I mean? If you don't get excited about what God did for you, uh, we need to gain new revelation. We need new, new anointing, new, new understanding on these things. Um, so by his knowledge of what he has accomplished by the righteous one, my servant shall justify the many, making them righteous, upright before God and right standing with him for he shall bear the responsibility for their sins. Praise God. Praise God. So, a sacrifice was made so that we could be placed first, that we could be first in God's eyes. A great sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. And so understanding that in this, I mean, I, my Aunt Patsy did this amazing sermon on it. She actually did like a little series. You guys got to hear it. I don't make you cry. Um, <laughs> but it was all about how None of, she said, none of Jesus's wounds were, were in self-defense, meaning he never tried to resist any of the, the things that they tried to do to him. He leaned into it. Like, he wanted these things because he knew what it would do for us, right? He put us first. 
He put you first and everything he did and every decision he made on earth, he put you first. He was thinking about you when he walked down, when he went down the, the, the Via de la Rosa. He, 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 everything he did, he did for you. He put you first. Every decision he made, he put you first. So, God delighted in what he did to Jesus because it meant elevating us closer to him. In order to put something first, something else must be demoted or sometimes even sacrificed in order to place God in his proper rank. We should delight in the sacrifice because it produces right standing. Um, I like the song we sang, Refiner. It's, I wanna burn for you, only for you. These, I wanna give up these things. Um, that song is likening gold being refined in a fire, right? And these things have to burn away from us. And if you research how that is done, the things, the minerals that have uh, been, well, not quite infused isn't the right word, but have, have somehow been a part or bonded, thank you, that's a good word, bonded to the gold, the longer they have been a part of that gold, the more intensity it takes for that gold, that, those impurities to burn away. Sometimes the hardest things to sacrifice are the things that we've held on to the longest. And then the other one, this is the juicy one, is the things that we think we received from God. As we, we take these things, uh, I don't, whether it's you know, some, a gift somebody gave you or um, a, a, a job you really like or even a family member. I, I know this is, we're getting, we're getting down in the weeds here. If you say, yes, I've received that thing from God, but here's the thing. If you put God before that thing and that thing leaves, it wasn't really from God. I would, I would, I would venture to say, right? So what do I mean by that? Um, I had a job. I thought it was a great job. Uh, somebody came up to me one time and, and I, was, I was working at a car dealership. They kept trying to get me to, into sales, right? Sales, I would have made more money. Everybody was like, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's the cool thing to do. You sell, you sell the cars at the car dealership. Those are the rock stars at a car dealership, right? I was parking cars, right, for $9 an hour. And uh, all the sales guys came up to me one time and they're like, why, well, why won't you go into sales? Why won't you go to sales? I was like, well, I'd have to work on Sundays. I'd have to, I, I couldn't, I can't do that. I can't skip out on church. And, and he said these words to me and, it, and it, there was a righteous indignation that rose up inside of me. <laughs> um, but he said, he said, Jesus isn't gonna pay your bills for you. And I laughed in his face. I, said, <laughs> I was like, you just watch, buddy. <laughs> I said, he's done it before, he's gonna do it again. But here's the thing is, is um, I, I, I never wanna put a stupid job before God. And honestly, how many things do we put before God? And how many things have we put on the pedestal of saying, this, this, was, this was my gift from God. I gotta hold on tight to it, right? I gotta hold on to this thing. I don't know what it is, a, a job opportunity, a gifting you think, like, not that you think you have, sorry, that sounds really condescending, but like something that you think you have received from God, those are the hardest things to let go of. So we should delight in that sacrifice because it produces right standing. The same way God delighted in Jesus being beat down for us, we should be delighted in demoting 
whatever it is, that job opportunity, that thing that takes your focus, that thing that, that, thing that takes you away from keeping the turret lined up on the target, right? If you feel yourself taking less time with God because of this thing, it's probably taken its place ahead of God, right? If you feel yourself weakening in your spirit, there's something going wrong, you know? So the hardest things to demote are things that we believe came from God, whether it's a gifting, a blessing, family members, a job. If it truly comes from God, put God before them and see if those things stay around. Last point, the low man wins. Um, when I, and Emma's heard this analogy before, so just bear with me. I sound like a broken record. The low man wins. Um, well, let's go ahead and read this verse first. This is First Peter 5, 5 through 7. Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to your elders, seek their counsel, and all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Tie on the servant's apron. I like that. Tie on the servant's apron. Um, for God is, is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service. At the appropriate time, casting all your cares all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you care very carefully. We're to humble, humble ourselves, right? When we humble ourselves, all the anxieties melt away. Um, when we spend time with God, it says, we read it earlier, and that wasn't the focus earlier, but perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out anxiety. Um, and, and we say all this because God doesn't need us to, to lift him up. He doesn't need us to give him an attaboy. He doesn't need us to pat him on the back. He knows who he is, right? He doesn't do it because he needs it. He does it because we need it. God doesn't need his rank elevated, but he understands that when we humble ourselves and put him first, he can elevate us. I'm telling you, God desires to elevate you so much that he gave his son so that you could be close to him. Sometimes people say it's, it's almost blasphemous that you, you know, that who are we to, who are we to think that we should be uh, elevated into this position, right? But he there was a sacrifice that was made and I'm gonna honor the sacrifice, right? Um, he doesn't need his rank elevated. Everything God puts in his word is promised intent. The only one who can stop that intent is us. Just ask Adam and Eve. There was a perfect intent for their lives and the only one that could stop it was them. The snake didn't do it. The snake had to get them to do it, right? So don't be deceived into thinking that the devil is manipulating and ruining and stopping your life. When you have all, all authority and all power in your hands has been given unto you, it said, all, we just read it earlier, all things are beneath our feet. That was before Jesus. We've been given a greater authority in Jesus' name. Jesus trampled on his head. That was after it was said that we have everything beneath our feet. So 
man, to have the revelation of, of David, if David could have what we have, I, man, he would be on a whole other level. The type of faith that he had and what he preached and what he taught on, and take that and put Jesus in it. <laughs> uh, man, we don't, I don't think we understand. But our greatest position of strength is to get low. The, man, the low man wins. So this was, uh, this was in football. I was, I was a chubby short kid. And when I first got started, I jumped right into tackle football. And um, because I was a little bit chubby, I wouldn't make a good wide receiver. I wouldn't make a good running back. I was probably too short to throw over the offensive line. Um, you get where I'm getting at. So the only thing that f- worked out for me was to play on the line. And so from day one, I'm having to go against, uh, there's, a, there's a sports announcer that calls them the big uglies. Um, I was one of the big uglies. And um, I remember my dad was there and, and they, they kept throwing out this, uh, my dad kept throwing out this phrase, the low man wins, the low man wins. And uh, you know, that, that's like a common phrase for, for linemen. And the reason is because when you have the most, when you get as low as possible, you have the most connection with the foundation underneath you, right? You have the most force driven from the ground. So when you're getting really, really low, people aren't just pushing against you, they're pushing against the ground that you're digging into. That's why it's called a firm foundation, right? And funny thing is, I was smaller than a lot of these guys. Um, But my dad, he was a big Broncos fan. I'm a big Broncos fan. Funny thing about the Broncos in the 90s is they won two Super Bowls in a row, and they had the smallest offensive line both times, by far, height and weight. And so my dad said, here's, here's the thing. You just gotta get lower than the other guy. I was like, okay, I gotta get. So I started getting lower, and I started being able to beat out guys that were way bigger than me. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. That guy's way stronger, way fatter, way taller than me. I, I'm okay with calling him fat, okay? <laughs> I was chubby, he was fat. There's a difference. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but man, it was like a superpower. It was like, wait a second, this works. (laughs) I just got to get lower than the other guy, right? And that's what God has asked us to do is your greatest position of strength is the low man. The one who sets his head below others. That'll help you with the whole putting others before you thing too. You know, in royalty, there's a a lot of... uh, old traditions where you never place your head higher than, than royalty that walks in the room, right? Never place ourselves before God. Never place our wants, our desires, our, our things that we want before God. And here's the thing is when we humble ourselves, all the things that we're worried about, they don't matter because we're so tied in with our foundation. I'm so familiar with the ground beneath me that no one can bum rush me. No one can knock me down. There's no excuse. Funny thing is, uh, there were a couple times where I got lit up. And my dad said, well, were you the low man? And I was like, nope. <laughs> and I got knocked out. <laughs> I remember the first time I just got plowed over and I was, I was on my heels. And my dad came over and picked me up. And I mean, the first time you get hit, you know what I'm talking about, when you get like the air knocked out of you. He came up and picked me up and like, I remember looking through my face mask and looking up at my dad and I was like, oh, oh, oh. and he was like, 
get up, go again. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. But the low man wins. The one who humbles himself. That's why, you know, I hate to get political here, but you know, we don't have all the solutions to the nation's problems, right? And 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 we've gone over this verse that that the nation that humbles themselves and prays, that doesn't think they have all the answers, that looks to him for the answers, right? We don't have the answers, but if we humble ourselves, we are elevated. He says, I will lift you up in due time. I will lift you up in due time. There's such a, there's such a, comfort that we take out of that, that, that burns away anxiety. That cast, uh, we get to cast all our cares and our worries on, my, on him in that place. So anytime uh, going on to the anxiety side of this, anytime I let circumstance dominate my life in fear, it is just a newsflash to me that I didn't put God first. Because if I spend time in his love, perfect love casts out fear. If I humble myself to his word, I get to cast all my cares and anxieties and worries and concerns on him, right? I, if I am worried about something, I haven't spent time with him or I haven't given it to him. Yeah. I haven't sacrificed it to him. I'm telling you, sometimes the worry can take first place. And you have to take that worry and take it to God and say, this doesn't have any place in my life. These are the fun ones to beat down. These are the ones we get to delight in. Anxiety doesn't have any place in your life. Take it down from God's pedestal because God is the one who deserves to be feared. He's the only one that should be feared. If I am paralyzed by fear, somebody or something came first before God. Worldly information should never trump godly revelation. So let's look at David and Goliath. This is kind of a great example. Is David spent ample time with God. I mean, I don't even, it doesn't even ever sound like he had really spent much time with his family. He was just out in the field chilling until the next giant animal attacked him. And, uh, you know, funny thing, you don't really hear too much about David using his sling when he was in the wilderness, when he was watching over the sheep. The first time the sling comes up is when when he is denying the armor, right? He's, he's denying the royal covering, right? He's denying the, the, I would imagine these things were made, of, made pretty nicely. I mean, this was, this was Saul's stuff, right? So he denies all that and he goes before a giant and he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't look the giant in the face and say, man, I'm good with this sling. You better watch out. His reliance was never on himself. He was so confident in God. He said, because of God, I, I, I killed a lion and a bear with my bare hands. Not because my bare hands are super strong. I mean, he was a kid, right? There's no reason he should have been able to do that. But he said, because, I, because you are coming against my God. His fear for God outweighed his fear for Goliath, Right? Because he had spent so much time with God. Per perfect love casts out all fear. Right? David rejected royal coverings. When he challenged Goliath, he never boasted in his ability to use a stone and sling, but rather in God's greatness. 
even when he killed the lion and the bear, he didn't use the sling. So we actually don't know if he was all that good with the sling. It doesn't actually say that. And, and, and here's the thing, I've heard teaching after teaching after teaching after teaching where people are like, I'm coming with you at you with my sling. And I'm like, he never says that, okay? He said, I come to you as a servant of God. And when you've spent time with God, you can look anything in the face because you know that he's the one that deserves to be feared, right? He's the one that deserves to be feared. He's the one we should be scared of. And when you know that he's the one that you should be scared of, you have giant defeating faith. You can laugh in the face of giants. I mean, he's like, dude, I'm gonna cut your head off. That's pretty confident. He didn't even have a sword. Great point. I don't know if he was in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm gonna take that sword, that giant sword over there. But all I know is, that's a great point, Emma. Thank you so much for that. He didn't even have a sword when he said, I'm gonna cut your head off. Wow. He was planning these things out in his mind and God just manifested. <laughs> he's like, all right. But <laughs> my point is, Kit, in God's face so much that he becomes so big to you that everything else in the world seems so small. I love that, I love that song, that, and, um, and the things of this earth will grow, str- grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And the things of this earth, will, they just fade away. They, you forget about them. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever, ever been a place of worry and anxiety and you just said, God, you're bigger than this and I'm gonna rest in it? And then all of a sudden, you like forgot about those things. You're like, wait a second. God's bigger. <laughs> God's more important. God's cooler. God's, God deserves my attention way more than that thing does. So fear of anything other than God is evidence that we haven't spent enough time with him because if we did, we would understand that he's al- the, he alone is the one to be feared. This is the faith that allows us to laugh in the face of giants. When you realize that everything you have comes from God, it produces humility. We talked about humbling ourselves. For from him are all our things. For from him are all things, and to him all, are all things. That's not just a song, that's actually a verse. And it's basically saying, what can we give God that he hasn't already given us? Yeah. What can we give him that he doesn't already? That's the funny thing about, well, you know, we talk about tithes and offerings, and it's like, this isn't, this is mine. You know, it's like, no, he gave you that. Yeah. You're just giving a little back. Um, <laughs> but it's important to understand that that produces humility on the inside of us. And so putting God first shouldn't be a defense thing where we say, well, well, I didn't have time to make it to church because this happened and this happened and this happened. And I'm not saying God is church, but the church is heavily a part of the kingdom that we're talking about because it is Jesus's bride, right? Um, I, I want to side trail really quick. There's a huge attack on the church as a building, as a location, because there's this, this thought process, well, yeah, the church is, is the people. And I get that. I totally understand that. I'm not coming against that. But when Jesus got upset, where was he? He was in the church. He was in the temple. It was a holy place, right? He never got uh, upset in these assembly 
out in the field churches, right? He never got upset at those things, right? He didn't, if, if God is everywhere and God can be anywhere, then why didn't he get upset uh, when he showed up to the, the tax building? Why didn't he get upset when he, you know what I'm talking about? Do you get what I'm saying? There's something sacred about the assembly. There's something sacred about the church because it's his bride. And we have so many people getting upset at the church and saying the church is hypocritical. The church is hurtful. The church is, is not, it's, it's not what God intended it to be. It's not, it's not this. It's not that. And it, it would be the same thing as if I walked up to you and said, Daniel, I love you so much. Daniel, you're perfect. You're awesome. You're great. You're everything to me. Emma, you suck. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Steve and Kim that I said you suck. <laughs> But you get what I'm getting across. You're, you're manipulative. You're blah, blah, blah. That's the same thing. And do you think Daniel's gonna stand there and take it? He's not. Do you think Jesus is gonna stand there and take it when we dishonor his bride? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So we must decrease so he can increase. In conclusion, God put us first, put him first. God delighted in sacrificing for us. Let's delight in sacrificing for him. God loves us in the loving. He was on time for us, be on time for him. Sometimes uh, this might, hit, I don't know, this might hit home. We can wonder why God is taking so long, but how often are we on time for his, our commitments to him? He broke chains off of us. He broke restraints off of us. Why do we put restraints on time, on how he shows up? on what we think he should look like, what we think the Holy Spirit should do. Why do we put restrictions on him? He broke those things off of you and we put him in a box all the time. Never put God in a box. He put us before his son. Ooh, here we go, y'all. We can't put him before our children. I know the, the family model is super important in, in the kingdom of God. So I'm not coming against that. But God comes before everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Josiah heard me at, uh, in youth one time and, he, and, and uh, I didn't even realize that he, he took it in, but he was like, he, we were talking about getting married a few weeks ago and he was like, yep, I need to marry a woman who loves God more than me. And that was something I said like in passing in youth. I said, marry a girl who loves God more than you. And uh, what's that? You wanna say something? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It stuck with him. <laughs> he said, it just stuck with me. Good, keep that one. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'll be honest, in, in the years of being in church and everything, uh, sometimes children come before God. And I know that's a rough one. Um, and you can say, Hunter, you don't have kids. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, but Abraham, well before Jesus, gave up Isaac, or he was planning to. God gave Jesus for us. And I can tell you for a fact, in my own experience, that I will be eternally grateful to my parents for putting God before me. Over and over and over and over again. These things taught me humility. 
They taught me sacrifice and true discipleship through Jesus and putting God first. I'm not perfect, but I thank my parents so much for doing that. I consider that something they did for me, not something they did to me. And I think your kids will as well. When they get older, yeah. Sometimes might take a little therapy. <laughs> My parents made me go to church. <laughs> My parents made me pray. Um, <laughs> so I'm not saying all these things to, to condemn anybody. I'm saying God, God is faithful in our shortcomings. He's merciful in our shortcomings. And, and praise him for that. That's awesome. Um, but we receive all things when we seek first. I want to receive all things. Do you guys want to receive all things? Say all things. So uh, let's, let's start asking the Holy Spirit some ways that we can put him first, put God first, right? We might need some help with this because sometimes the wool can be over our eyes. Sometimes we can think, man, I've got it made. I'm doing everything right. But if your camels haven't been coming, might need to start asking some questions. When the camels aren't coming, when the promises aren't coming, when all of the things aren't, aren't being added unto us, there's something going on, y'all. So let's, let's, take, let's take account for everything that we have, assess everything. So this, uh, I think this scripture sums everything up that we talked about tonight. 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord with awe and profound reverence, and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. So I actually want to reverse engineer this really quick. For consider what great things he has done for you. That's what we started out on, how much he loves us, what he's done for us, how he sees us, right? It produces something on the inside of us so that we can serve him faithfully with all of our heart. That means putting him first, humbling ourselves before him. Only fear the Lord. That's the humbling, Right? So if we can start to humble ourselves, and I, I, think we're, I think we're doing great, but we can always do better, right? It says, I press forward towards the mark. I'm running a race. That means we can improve. That means we're looking to achieve something, right? Again, no condemnation. I'm saying this out of love because I love y'all. I want you guys to put God first in your life so you can have all things added unto you, right? So only fear the Lord with awe and profound reverence and serve him faithfully with all your heart for consider what great things he has done for you.